Hi everyone, this is Kenan. Uh, if I could just butt in for a second, I wanted to give a few thank yous. We were uh, pretty surprised at the number of downloads we got of the first episode in just two weeks and wanted to say we definitely appreciate your interest. Uh, I think I speak for the other two when I say I was having heart palpitations thinking about the number of people listening to us mispronounce words or say like over and over again. Um, but we definitely want to give shout outs to our significant others for their support while we do this dumb thing. We want to give some special thanks to friends of the podcast, Justin Waterfield at Lunchbox601 on Twitter, and Tori McCall, that's Skinny Dogs on Twitter, but the O is a zero. Uh, they've both helped us promote the podcast. I also want to thank Katie Waterfield for sending us some great feedback and movie suggestions, which we can always use. She's at Katie the Author on Twitter. Um, I should say the response also helped. Uh, had us reach out to Pace's brother, whose name and info will drop into the show notes because Pace isn't responding to my Facebook messages. Uh, he helped us take something similar to what you heard in the first episode and morph it into media that's less sonically hellacious to listen to. Uh, I also definitely want to give a shout out to our buddy Tim for additional audio help while recording. Uh, you can find him on Twitch, crushing doofuses with his glorious beard at uh, twitch.tv slash niffa underscore tv. As always, the best thing you can do for us while we're in the wee little baby stages of this thing uh, is to keep listening and hit us with feedback over email and Twitter. And if you like the podcast, uh, head over to iTunes or Stitcher or the Google Play Store or what have you and leave us a five-star review. So that's it. I'm going to let you go ahead and get to the episode, so please enjoy the uh, Land Before Time too. Hey, Sean. Mm-hmm. I invite you to my home. Can you use a coaster with your two glasses? Do you have this? <laughs> Uh, you are yeah. double. Where, you I are have so many coasters. Oh, where, where are they? Let me go get them for you. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no sweat. Please. Yeah, no sweat. Here, no. You know yeah, what? We're no, here recording no this. Problem. Problem. That's terrible. Just, You're going to spill that on your oh, laptop. Nope. Hold on. Oh. Which well, <laughs> no one will Really bad idea. Let me just go around your other side. That's the PNA, we're gonna have another PNAS. Wow. Mahogany table. And going to be. Is it? Is it made of? Mahogany. Is it made of rich? Is it made of dark ebony wood? Probably pressed wood. Interesting. Pressed past. Probably a bunch of pulverized trees. Listen, I'm in grad school. I don't know what you want from me. I'm not rich. The stuff that couldn't be made into paper. (laughs) (laughs) This is too terrible for paper. Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Real Science Podcast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. I'm Kenan Smith. I'm Sean Crossan. I'm Michael Pace. And what we do on this podcast is we pick a movie, we watch it, we rate the science, and then we rate the movie and talk about some of the techniques that they discuss in the movie. And we're just going to just tear movies to shreds, right? Oh, yeah, we're just going to rip them apart. No, no, we're going to give constructive criticism. We are all PhD students, so we do work in the fields of science, and we're hopefully uh, can give some of our insight uh, into, you know, the experiments present in the film. stuff. What they said is only partial true. We're going to get into some of the nitty-gritty details because, as I said, we are scientists, and we are trained to have a very critical eye over even the most redundant of things. And it's really annoying at times, but we're still going to do it. And just as a disclaimer, there might be some light cursing. Um, so no kids, unless your kid can hang. A lot of poops and uh, butts. And we're going to say shut up a few Everything times. that goes along with having kids. Yeah, I don't know if there'll be as much poops and butts, but we'll. S- I guess, you know, Kenan's, no one's going to censor Kenan. Yeah, dude, know? I'm off the leash. He's off the leash. <laughs> 
Well, do you guys want to just dive right into the movie? Yeah, we can do that. Um, tell you what, why don't I give it like a brief plot summary of what we watched? Because we still haven't mentioned the movie. Um, <laughs> good call. I was going to see if That's we could go call. the entire time without, <laughs> without saying, mentioning see, it. See if the audience could guess. It's I a mean, movie about dinosaurs. It's a pretty <laughs> safe bet that the audience would be able to guess this after about... 30 seconds well, hopefully when they click on it, because I plan to title the episode with the name of the movie. If so. you want to guess your titles, submit them to 555. Five, five, oh, no, press 1 for... <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, we're not... Sorry, college is standing by. Yeah, so we watched uh, Jurassic Park, uh, a movie starring a colorful cast of characters, including uh, John Hammond. Play- I'm going to try and do all this out of my brain. All right? Okay, so go got, for it, Ken. We've got John Hammond, who plays is played by... Neil McDonough. We have uh, David Attenborough. Was that it? It's, it's not definitely sure it's, David Attenborough. You sure, it's not David Attenborough. Okay, it's David Attenborough. It's David Attenborough. Sorry, I'm very sleepy. Right? That's his name, right? Uh, who's next, Kevin? Je- okay, Jeff Goldblum. Hold on one second. Uh, okay. I want to do it again. All right, I want you to do this. I, so <laughs> I also have. Don't you here. normally do it? Sandy Well, I don't have my computer open, so I was just going to let you sort of flounder out there. Yeah, but, but I hate this. Can you save me? Yeah. Sam well, Neil, I mean, Laura Derm. Jeff well, who do both of those people play? Sam Neill is um, the guy scientist. Okay, Dr. Grant. Dr. Dr. Grant. Grant yeah. the main and then Dr. Dr. Sattler. Sattler is uh, Laura Dern. Right. Jeff Goldblum Jeff plays Goldblum. Malcolm in the Middle, is Malcolm, who is the mathematician. You can't. People are, are not going to know what the fuck is happening. <laughs> yep. So basically, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum play uh, three scientists who are brought in by Richard Attenborough's character, John Hammond. Um, yeah, Richard, not nice. David Attenborough. Whoops, <laughs> nice. Richard Attenborough, uh, John Hammond, yes, brings them in uh, in order to look over the park that he has constructed, which uh, whose main attraction largely consists of dinosaurs. Dinosaurs, dinosaurs, constructed from well, dino DNA. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, basically, an accident has occurred on site, and uh, the board of directors or whatever have you. Uh, have called in a lawyer to show up and audit the facility. They have to call in experts, give it a pass uh, in order for Richard to open to the general public. Um, Our good friend Wayne Knight shows up and ruins absolutely everything, causes the party to go haywire, a lot of security systems to fail, uh, and then uh, all hell breaks loose. And the rest of the movie is about Samuel Larder and Jeff Goldblum escaping from the dinosaurs. Yep. Their good friend, David Attenborough. (laughs) You know, Ken, I feel like a lot of the times at the end of the movie summary, it always ends up with you going, and all hell breaks loose. I mean, honestly, the the two movies that we've watched so far, which the first one being Contagion, obviously, and the second one being Jurassic Park, the first half of it is nothing but science, right? And then the latter half of it is, I mean, both movies, just velociraptors chasing people around pretty much. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Same thing in Junior. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Arnold, a pregnant Arnold Schwarzenegger fights a velociraptor. I remember that specifically. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it's in the movie. Just watch the movie, guys. Oh. Luckily, the baby survives. Yes. We should also say, um, we are going to give some, you know, obviously a summary of the movie and talk in detail about the movie. Uh, you should definitely watch the movie because you should. it's a good movie. But if you don't watch the movie, still go ahead and listen. I mean, we're going to probably cover it in enough detail that you'll get what's going on. Sure. Right. Uh, but we recommend that everybody just watch the movie. It's I mean, a- honestly, at this point, if you haven't seen Jurassic Park. Like, yeah. You absolutely should go see Jurassic. Well, congratulations on just figuring out how to listen to a podcast. Now climb out of the rock that you're living in. Nice. Go, <laughs> go watch Jurassic Get him, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> also worth but, noting, we're going to rate the science at the end of the movie as yep. well to give everyone a perspective of what, how we think 
how the how accurate the science was. Right. And then after we rate the science, we're going to rate the movie on just sort of a general uh, enjoyability scale. Pace, why don't you tell us what sort of science we're actually going to cover whenever we... Yeah, so I think today, primarily, we're going to talk about a little bit of the, the cloning strategies that they use to create these dinosaurs, how accurate that is, how feasible it is. Uh, we'll then go into some of the ethics that come into play, uh, particularly with the technology they use to clone these dinosaurs. The, the, line, the famous line comes to mind of, it's uh, if you can do something... The question is, should you do something as well? Yeah, that's pretty so, close to what the line was. Um, you know, it's it was really not what close to what the line was at all, but I like to paraphrase. <laughs> you know, what, what you call a line for a movie, I call the rape of the natural world. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was close. Um, we're also just going to cover some nice random dino facts for you. And, yeah. you know, just to give a little dino knowledge nuggets to put in your brain. Yeah, and what we're going to try and do is, I mean, this will usually be broken up into three basic sections, sort of. Uh, we're going to try and have a sort of a brief overview or a section what we want to call gripes and groans, where we talk about sort of general things that bugged us about the movie. Um, obviously, this is going to be one of the most like where most of the nitpicky stuff comes in. So obviously, take it with a grain of salt. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sounds great. Cool. So, Sean, being the resident geneticist. Uh, wait, wh- what do you do at UF? Exactly. Why do we bring you in? Uh, I mostly clean up after. No, I'm just kidding. I, uh, that was a good joke. <laughs> yeah, that's good, right? <laughs> I am getting a PhD in, I guess, molecular biology. That's kind of what my lab does. I work yeah, on. Yeah, do a lot of stuff. I work on obesity and gene therapy. And right now, I'm actually investigating the role of taste perception in um, body weight gain. Yeah, uh, but I do a lot of gene therapy, and I'm in the genetics concentration, so I have a decent idea about what genetics is, but definitely yeah, yeah. not an expert. So. so you're gonna be our cloning master for this. Yeah, I'm a cloning thing. master. Okay. I can I can clone any plasmid you want. Sweet, except for the ones that are really hard to clone. Sean, right. will you be my cloning master? <laughs> for Maybe. you, Pace. Anything. I thought so. While we're at it, Pace, what do you do at uh, at UF? Mm, glad to talk about it. Uh, what I primarily do is work on neurodegeneration, which includes diseases such as uh, Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. Um, in regards to my degree, I'm also pursuing a PhD uh, with a concentration in neuroscience. But uh, I'd say that I also have a very strong background in cell biology as well. Awesome. Good. That'll come in handy. Yep. I mean, maybe not tonight, but... Kenan, what do you do? Uh, yeah, I'm also pro- uh, producing. I'm also uh, pursuing a <laughs> sort of a philanthropist. Yeah, I'm a producer. I've got of... my fingers in many soups, you could say. Oh my god. <laughs> I, create, I create art, guys. Oh god, Kenan. I'm also pursuing a uh, PhD at UF. Um, Sean mentioned gene therapy. Uh, I work on the structure of a virus that is commonly used for gene therapy known as adeno-associated virus. For those of you who watched uh, Jessica Jones, I believe it was, the Marvel property Jessica Jones on Netflix, they actually mention AAV at one point. What? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I didn't know that, actually. What? Yeah. Well, now I'm going to have to watch that. Yeah, you absolutely should watch it. Oh, that's awesome. But that said, I study the structure of the virus and what it means for uh, pre-existing immunity. So what we try to do is change the virus so that people who have immunity against the virus capsid uh, won't attack it and destroy it before it has done its job of uh, treating disease. Cool. Yep. It's very cool. I don't plan to bring anything useful to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. You never Just know. Just like your PhD. Oh, oh, man. I wouldn't fight you on that point. Sorry, really, right? I, rips off mask. <laughs> Mavis McKenna sitting right here. No, my kidding. boss! <laughs> Why haven't you turned in a progress report? <laughs> uh, so anyway... 
to get us started out on the uh, first section, Sean, since you are our resident cloning master. Oh my god, do you really gonna stop talking me up so much? <laughs> well, why don't we talk about some dino cloning? Okay, we'll talk about some dino DNA. Yep. Dinosaurs. All right, so, um, as you may remember from the movie... Uh, the scientists uh, arrive at the park and they're all, you know, dumbfounded from seeing a dinosaur. They're like, oh, my God, how could this be? This is amazing. My right. life's work is alive in front of me. So then um, Dr. Hammond takes them yes. to the main cloning the facility. Laboratory. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He takes them to this ride that he set up where he basically has a little video play of a talking DNA strand who explains um, how they were able to clone these dinosaurs. So this part of the movie is probably about three minutes long. Yeah. Um, but they really cover a lot of the science of how they were able to do this. Yeah, most of the science in this movie is packed within this first within these first two scenes in the laboratory, basically. Yeah. yeah. So the scientists get into the ride and this talking DNA strand comes up with a jaunty accent and he says you know howdy y'all. howdy let's talk about dino dna and so really the way they describe how they did this is they were able to find uh mosquitoes trapped in amber that have been petrified since the prehistoric dinosaur era and these mosquitoes have dinosaur blood inside them still preserved with mostly intact dinosaur dna or dino dna inside them so that is their source for getting the genetic t- material to make a dinosaur. Um, and, they, yeah. And not to interrupt you, but there's no, also no, no, no. A, a very good scene that plays while they're watching this video where a scientist bores a hole through the amber to get to the mosquito and then just sort of shakily shoves a needle into the hole that he's made to yeah. extract, presumably extract the blood from the butt of the mosquito. And while he's doing this, the DNA strand says, using sophisticated techniques, yeah. scientists isolate the Dano it's, DNA. It's so delicate. And you we just stab a mosquito in the bum. <laughs> you just see a big needle sticking to the mosquito, which yep. I guess is pretty sophisticated. I guess very so. juicy, but... So they, they take the DNA out, um, and then the DNA strand explains that they have you know billions and billions of DNA base pairs, and what they do is they fix the gaps in the genome, because presumably this DNA is not fully intact, so it's going to have some chunks missing. Um, they use frog DNA to, quote, Fill in the gaps oh my gosh. in the genome. Okay. Why is it a bad idea to use frog DNA to clone dinosaurs, Sean? And what do you mean by fill in the gaps? Well, okay, this is a very... So, you might guys will notice the theme. When movies want to gloss over something, they vaguely describe it and then move on, right? Which, for the purposes of this movie, works fairly well. Right, it's fine, because you don't want to invite all this question about something that, if we could do it today, we would have probably done it, so... Right. <laughs> and you're about to watch some dinosaurs, so that's the main event here. Right, right. right. So, anyways... The Okay, so so your cells are all filled with chromosomes full of DNA. And over, I don't know, millions of years, uh, the DNA is going to get degraded and fragmented and broken up into pieces. And you're going to have chunks of, of genetic material just missing. And while you're on that point, to sort of drive home this, like, not just millions of years, but the dinosaurs existed... Between two hundred, what two hundred and thirty-seven and sixty-six billion years ago, yeah, million. or a million years million, ago, rather. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, and they have dinosaurs from multiple points in the Mesozoic era. So 
the different levels of degradation of this DNA is going to be fairly widespread yeah, yeah. depending on what they get. Yeah, dinosaurs, it wasn't like there was just, oh, there were like a, a few hundred years with dinosaurs and they were all gone. There were like a segments of time. time where there were a lot of dinosaurs and then there were like millions of years later more dinosaurs right. and then millions of years later us. So <laughs> that, that's a pretty big point in this. I think it's pretty crazy that they were able to create such a wide range of dinosaurs from such different time points, which the with the efficacy that they did in this film, right? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? And using frog DNA, which and using frog DNA, which are not necessarily even related to the dinosaurs, not because even a little bit. birds are supposed to be related to dinosaurs, but they use frog DNA instead. Yeah, and I guess we can keep in mind, too, that this movie was made we're made in 1993, and we're going to be holding the movie up to sort of 2017 standards. So I think at this point it was sort of contested whether or not a section of dinosaurs were actually, like, birds were descended from dinosaurs. Um... And so there's like a lot of jokes and stuff like that made at this expense. So the idea of using frog DNA, especially now, is even more far-fetched. Well, yeah, and I, I think, but it also, you can acknowledge that, that at that time, they might not have had a, such of a clear-cut theory about sure. the, evolution, the evolutionary relationship between birds and dinosaurs. But at the same time, they don't justify the use of a frog compared to a bird. Yeah, that's very right? true. Uh, yeah. So, it, sorry. No, no, you're good. It was also, you make a good point, because it was also a decision, as far as I can remember, that was would have been made by Michael Crichton when writing the book, but it would have provided a good story opportunity if Mr. Attenborough had said, and we used d- the DNA of birds to fill in the gaps, and then Dr. Grant had been like, my God, you know what I mean? And there would have been this affirmation right. moment for Dr. Grant, because he's the only person, apparently, who thinks this. Yeah. Right, right. Well, so the idea of replacing segments of DNA, you know, we can do that. We have the molecular tools to do that. We have the isolated enzymes from humans and other animals and bacteria and stuff that we can use to like replicate DNA. But when you sequence DNA, you are sequencing small fragments at a time. Mm -hmm. And what you're doing is you're assembling a reference or like a de novo, it's called, where you make a assembly of all the fragments and you line them all up with each other okay so you're taking an unknown right and you're trying to line that up into almost a library of genes or or you're just saying at this point it's just a long strand of dna like a long sequence of dna that you've lined up and you're hoping that this is the correct sequence you so you have separate chromosomes so you're going to sequence them get all these pairs of dna or these base pair sequences and then use a computer to align them with a known sequence and see where they fit. So presumably what they're doing is they sequence the dino, the dino DNA. Nice. They align it with frog DNA because there's kind of using that as a reference, or maybe they use a de novo alignment, which we don't really have to talk about, but they're going to, so then they're going to see, okay, the genome, we don't have dino DNA for this region, so let's just use the frog DNA there. Right. So that's what they're going to be doing, right? But the problem with that is that dinosaurs and frogs are extremely different. So the order of their genes on their chromosomes, even the number of chromosomes that they have, could be so vastly different that you couldn't actually really align them with any certainty. And these gaps, you wouldn't know what was there like you might have a stretch of a million bases that are missing and you can't just say let's take this million base pair chunk of frog dna 
Like, could be totally different. In which is a huge chunk missing. Yeah, it's a huge chunk. It's a lot. So if we make the assumption that, uh, say that for the purposes of this movie, frogs, amphibians in general, are pretty closely related to dinosaurs, and could you could you actually use that as a reference when rebuilding a dinosaur genome? Unless every species of dinosaur that they recreated was like basically a frog yeah <laughs> no there's just no way i mean like they right. would be so different humans and mice have 95 percent genetic identity i'm pretty sure it's like 95 something like that it's right? 95 and we have totally different chromosome ordering like our genes one gene might be on chromosome one for humans and chromosome 11 for mice and totally next to other different genes and it's just not feasible yeah despite so despite the similarity between humans and mice it's, you wouldn't be able to fill in the gaps like they suggest you do right, here. Right, exactly. And one thing that we actually talked about during the movie as well is that it's they're not just dealing with one type of dinosaur that they're filling the gaps in with amphibian DNA, but they're actually two different types of dinosaur. You have theropods and then sauropods. Theropods eventually evolved into birds. Sauropods effectively died out. We have some organisms that still exist with a similar body plan, but there's no gaps for us to fill in in the fossil records to see where sauropods went. And so if they had used frogs, they're contending with two completely different types of dinosaurs to fill in the gaps. Never mind that neither one of those dinosaurs are at all related to <laughs> right. right, Right. So a lot of fallacies going on here. Well, at the end, it just depends on how genetically similar are these dinosaurs they're cloning to the frog that they're using as in this case, a reference sequence, right? Mm-hmm. Right, And the s- successful rate of their cloning would depend, I think, on those similarities and probably would not have ended very well in most cases. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Right, so uh, now that we've got our dino DNA filled in with frog DNA, what do they do next? Okay, so assuming all that works, which it doesn't, but if it did, um, <laughs> they now, they, they really are pretty vague with this, but they've, grow the dinosaurs in ostrich eggs. Right. And they don't really talk about how the ostrich genetic material comes in. Like, they literally just say, we, we incubate them in ostrich eggs. eggs. Right. Because it would still be there, that ostrich right. DNA. Right, it should still be there, right? Unless they can somehow... I don't know about bird eggs, honestly. Right. But I don't know if they could, like, remove the oocyte and, like... Do an in vitro dinosaur fertilization right. and then just stick an embryo in there? Maybe, I have no idea. Like, maybe they're replicating what, whatever the same... I, and I don't know how they would know this, but whatever the same biology that occurs within a dinosaur egg, they're somehow replicating within a chicken egg yeah. or an ostrich egg. Sorry. I mean, so I guess we can just give them the benefit of the doubt because sure. they were so vague that I have no idea how to critique it. Although, when they show the eggs, they're very clearly showing what dinosaur eggs are depicted as in popular media. They're not showing ostrich eggs yeah. at all. Yeah, they don't really so that was ostrich right. eggs. Yeah, but it so, probably was not an all too important detail to them, to yeah. be honest. No, true. But realistically, it's not an all too important detail for the movie. No, no it's not. <laughs> but so, so they do that with the eggs, right. um, and then I guess before we go into the ethics, I just wanted to talk real quick about sterile technique <laughs> and laboratory practices. Sure. Right? So sure. they have this this cool, very futuristic science looking lab where everything looks very chrome and white and mm-hmm. clean and everyone's wearing these fancy lab coats. B.D. Wong from SVU is there. Yes, B.D. Wong from SVU is there. He's like the lead scientist writing stuff down on pencil and vigorously erasing notes. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> he's basically just writing and erasing over and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they, the scientists uh, all walk into the lab and everybody that's in there is wearing lab coats, which 
The reason you wear a lab coat, if you, the public, didn't know this, it's so you don't get shit on you and don't get your shit on your experiments. They're actually in clean suits, just without masks or helmets. Like, they're wearing full body gear. Yeah, they're, here. they're right. decked out. So when you just have three random people from outside that are just, like, covered in dirt, just, like, because they're always covered in dirt yeah. for some reason. There's two paleontologists. Both of them are covered in dirt. Yeah. There's Ian Malcolm, who just kind of looks like a greasy dude. There's a lawyer who's wearing a blazer and shorts for some reason. <laughs> and then uh, Mr. Attenborough also comes yeah, in. They, they just, all just bust into the just walk in in regular clothes. So yeah. it's like you're trying to make this sterile area where you're cloning dinosaurs, but then people just walk in like, hey, what's up? Let me see the dino DNA. And like no one complains. No one no. says anything. Very I, guess, I guess the boss is funding all the money, but I'd be like, hey, if you want this to work, maybe stop, uh, you know, touching the dinosaur eggs. So, <laughs> put on some PPE every now yeah, and then. You know? So they, there's some sterile lab things that probably sure. need to be checked out. But, the, oh. well, you know, they haven't been in Do a Do you mean like Dr. Grant touching the egg yeah, yes. with his bare hands? Yep. Yes. That <laughs> was a little shocking. Either way, that aside, they go in, they do this, you know, quick reveal with a, uh, a raptor being born. Dr. Grant, again, picks it up with his bare hands, and then uh, there's a sudden shocking moment where he asks if they're breeding raptors, because raptors are, like, very, very trumped up as this, like, murderous species throughout the entire I movie. Would, I would say they're the antagonist of this movie. They're definitely the antagonist <laughs> yeah. of the movie. The other thing that gets mentioned here is this idea that they uh, are only breeding females on the island because the what they're doing, uh, B.D. Wong explains that whatever they're doing is uh, they're knocking out whatever uh, gene or series of genes that dinosaurs require in order to uh, convert to male during the process of development. So, I mean, obviously humans during development, everybody basically starts out as a female if you have a Y chromosome. Uh, the SRY gene on the Y chromosome starts expressing that converts you into a male. There's some obviously some equivalent in birds and dinosaurs and lizards and all that good stuff that they've somehow figured out using, I guess, frog DNA and what little they had. And now they're robbing the dinosaurs of the male half of the species in order to prevent them from breeding. We can say that it's for the reasons you just said of the use of frog DNA or... We just say that Spielberg had to use frogs for the plot point of the dinosaurs being able to change sex spontaneously. Yeah, exactly. So that's also an issue worth yeah. bringing up. And you know what? I mentioned that earlier. It would have been better to make birds, but that is 100% the reason that they use this. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't jump ahead to that? We could jump ahead to that. No, we'll come back to it in okay, our we'll Grunts and Groans section. Yeah. Okay. Because that's a pretty... All right. We'll come back to it. We'll come back to it. That's <laughs> sure. fine. We'll come back to it. Why don't we talk a little bit about the ethics of cloning just in general? And uh, the ethics of uh, raising dinosaurs 66 million years after they had been extinct. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think one of the first things, most obvious things that comes up to here is that you are thrusting all of these both animal and plant species into what is to them a completely foreign environment that is separated by 65 million years of evolution. That's the most obvious thing that comes into play here. Yeah, exactly. And that point is actually made during the, the lunch they have after they all have left the lab and they enjoy a good cow murder by a series of raptors, um, they all go into the... Sacrifice cannon. Mm. <laughs> You're right, sorry. Yes. Sacrifice to the raptor gods. Have some respect. My, I, my apologies, raptor gods. They all go into the lunchroom, they get their Chilean sea bass, and then every scientist goes around the table and kind of expresses their disgust with doing this. And it's brought up that you're taking a species that has basically missed out on 65 million years of evolution uh, and thrusting it into the modern world. And then yeah. you're selling it. You're selling it. And you're packaging it. You're <laughs> slapping it on lunch boxes. 
Yeah, which obviously can have some, you know, ethical implications because you're, you know, bringing sentient beings into the world in order to live in a park and you there's no way you could prepare for the level of like social economic like social uh, I don't know interactions that the dinosaurs are going to have to deal with um, but without individually studying them, which they don't take the time to do. And I think I'm going to I'm going to be sounding like Dr. Malcolm as I say this, but it's so important to keep in mind that Humans had the benefit of evolving without the presence of dinosaurs mm. there, right? And so, sure, no matter how unlikely it may seem, uh, you definitely risk the you risk human life here by doing this. You risk human life by cloning dinosaurs who are these predators, you know, a hundred times the weight and size of humans who have the at least physical prowess to destroy them. And you mentioned the ethics of just like sort of bringing to, to hit both of your points sean you mentioned the ethics of bringing living things into the natural world and you and you pace mentioned this idea that like there are carnivores i think if we can speak to the herbivore and carnivore side of this they have brought herbivores into a world where the fauna that exists is wildly different than what the dinosaurs had experienced yeah. when they actually existed so there's a lot of plants out there that may be native now that can just kill the dinosaurs or don't offer the same sort of sustenance they need, or they're mm. not equipped to actually digest those things or have access to them. Right. And to speak to the carnivore side of that, the carnivores are just going to see small humanoids and that's food, like a hundred percent. They're packing on one, a whole side of the park of the zoo is packed with animals that just see everything as food. That's the size of a human, which you don't do with a regular zoo. I mean, you've got tigers, but well, they might not just uh, straight up attack a human too. Like tigers, yeah. they, they do sort of portray the carnivores in this movie with like a bloodlust for mankind for whatever which reason. Which is probably right. a little unrealistic because, you know, the animals are going to they're still animals, right? They're going to want to hunt and eat based on hunger and survival. So like yes. it's not like they just want to kill humans because they have some sort of unquenchable bloodlust. They right. just like want to eat and they see his food so and something we didn't touch upon earlier with with the issues with the cloning but they also apparently according to the paleobotanist who who they uh who they have in the film um she notices a plant that's 65 million years old yeah. um and they don't go into how they did that sure cloning the dinosaurs is important but they don't explain how they clone those plants and also we have the scene with the triceratops who who gets sick from the local the local fauna yeah right and so it goes back into the ethics of the situation. You know, I just realized they got the dino DNA from a mosquito, right? Plants, mosquitoes don't eat plants. I don't, like... No, they sure Where don't. do you get plant DNA yeah, no, from? That, and that's so, the major point. <laughs> there, I have a little bit of knowledge of botany. And there is a, a substance within plants called xylem, which, without going too, too deep into it, is the plant equivalent of blood. And you can, you can extract plant DNA from, from xylem, but... I don't know how they would have done this with how they would have gotten DNA of plants that are 65 million years old. Because well, so I was actually thinking about that as well. Like, if there, because there are insects that feed on plants and it specifically right. will remove nutrients within the xylem from plants. Yes. I don't know if you get, if, you, if these insects are large enough to the point where the cells would enter their body right. and then you would then later be able to isolate those. But they only mention mosquitoes this entire time and yes. they don't explain it. Again, 100% not important for the movie, but 
logistically speaking, it's it wouldn't be doable. Right. Yeah, there's I'm gonna go ahead and say there's literally no way they can <laughs> no way they can do this. Yeah. But they did for this movie. Yeah. So I so I guess so for the ethics though of you know bringing species into the world like it, I'm not saying that if we f- were able to I don't know get uh, DNA of some sort of like brachiosaur or something sure and we were able to confidently think that we could maybe try and clone it and make one I don't know if that's I mean that's obviously got some ethical issues but making one to study or even making a pair like a male and a female or something right or just because some animals are social animals and they need to be around other animals of their same kind in order to behave normally and you know be happy I guess I don't want to anthropomorphize too much but like be satisfied with their current life right so if we were going to do this you we would need to like make an animal and like study it so vigorously like make sure it's okay sure make sure it's okay with humans see if we can feed it like so many things well and you bring up another point too like i it would be very easy still to sell a park that contained dinosaurs that contained no carnivores whatsoever. Yeah. They could just just had right. only Vegasauruses, hey, like the hacker says. If there was one dinosaur, I would go to that park to yeah, see yeah, yeah. a dinosaur. Yeah, I'd pay a couple hundred dollars yeah. to see a dinosaur. <laughs> one dinosaur? I'd be like, yeah, I'm there. I'm yep. ready. So. And and I'm I'm not I'm not trying to get too touchy-feely here with with the ethics of, of this whole situation, but people complain now about the conditions of animals in zoos. Right. Right? And what they're doing here is is actually with, with dinosaurs are a very similar situation. They are very much, I, I want to say the word dehumanizing, that's not the exact right word to use in the situation, but they're definitely treating them as maybe even less than, you know, human beings today treat certain animals in zoos. Right. And, but you can make the same argument for these dinosaurs, right? Yeah. Um, they're still, the, there's, they're, they're, they're probably hard. not, they're probably similar levels of intelligence as some of the animals you might find in a modern day zoo and therefore might also need similar like Sean was mentioning, social social needs, yeah. right? They're merchandising them, basically. Yeah. Like, they are... Ab- that's, that's the point I'm going with. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. So, so I guess Je- talk to Jeff Goldblum. He cares about that a lot. <laughs> yeah, he's not okay with it. No, he's not okay with it. I had a Jurassic Park lunchbox growing up, and now I feel really guilty about it after we discussed it. No, dude, don't feel guilty. Gosh, you so didn't do it. I really am really angry that that got thrown away at some point, because it's... Now, at this point, probably worth several hundred dollars. Most likely. <laughs> Kevin, you spent so much time asking if you could throw it away, you never stopped and asked if you should. If I should. <laughs> <laughs> wow. There it is. Life finds a way. Life finds a way. All right. We should probably move on to our next section. Uh, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about some uh, Let's talk about some dino facts. Yeah. I want, I want, you know what, Pace? Why don't you start us off? Hit me with some sweet dino facts. Do you want, do you want to start... Okay, do you want to start with a nice little story that, a little anecdote that I gathered while doing some, some research for this, for this podcast? I don't know, is it funny? It's, I mean, I think it's kind of funny. I would love nothing more than to hear okay. an anecdote. <laughs> well, okay, well, one of the most memorable moments from the film right. was, in my opinion, whenever, um, Lex, the, the, uh, the young, the hacker. young, the young, the, the hacker, right? right? The vegetarian, yes. Yeah. Um, she gets <laughs> sneezed upon. By the brachiosaur. She does. Right? And first, uh, one of the first things I asked myself is, did dinosaurs sneeze? It's a very important question for me to know in the scope of this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, top ten priority. And 
So I was, you know, looking up, it's, it was obviously not a lot of uh, peer-reviewed research on the sneezing habits of dinosaurs. Right. But it was a general consensus from what I read that this brachiosaur probably didn't sneeze because of the length of its neck uh, and just the differences in res- respiratory systems. But as I was doing these searches, uh, you always notice what other people are looking for on the intertubes whenever you're searching for things, right? Right. And... One question that I came across was that someone had clearly searched for in Google prior was, do the snakes fart? (laughs) Do the snakes fart? And bear in mind, this was not just do snakes fart. Like, like it was do snakes fart is a completely logical question to ask. I would not say like, I would not second that guess that for a second, but clearly do these snakes fart? This person has some particular snakes in mind. So I don't know why, but when you at, when you when you delivered that wonderful line of "Do the snakes fart?" I am now imagining that somebody got done watching the Indiana Jones movie. It's <laughs> <laughs> because they're Nazi snakes, right? Right? They're not, and it's just full of farting snakes. <laughs> Maybe uh, there's some fart sounds in the background. I haven't actually seen brah, that brah, brah, in a while. That's a lot of snake flagellants happening in that pit right there. And right. for your last death, Indiana, <laughs> farting snakes! <laughs> no! <laughs> Why did it have to be farting snakes? Right. While that evoked that imagery for you, it, as great as that is, but for me, it evoked the imagery of, of this small, like, six-year-old with a smartphone in a zoo, and... He's just watching this boa constrictor, just just sitting in this glass case, and he's like, "This little kid's like, huh? Yeah, do the snakes fart?" He turned around and he said, "Daddy, do the snakes fart?" <laughs> yeah, I, said, I don't know. You look it up on YouTube. <laughs> read, read the panels. Absolutely. <laughs> it says it says race in captivity. Yeah. Oh. Sweet. Well, I'm gonna talk. Uh, I, I've got a dinosaur fact for us. Better be funny, dude. Please. It's not funny even a little bit. It's actually oh, more informative. God. All right, I'm, I'm just sorry. gonna I'm just gonna leave for a bit. You know, what? if you lie down on the couch for a second, I yeah, I'm just gonna take a quick nap. Tight ten. I do want to talk about uh, when Wayne Knight dies. Yes. Are you Hong Shuing over there? Hong Shu. Hong Shu. I want to talk about when Wayne Knight dies. So one of the dinosaurs that. They show in the movie and early on in the tour talk about is the Dilophosaurus. And during the tour, the information that's given out is that this uh, Dilophosaurus is a small dinosaur that is, in fact, venomous. It uh, fires its venom out of its mouth uh, at its victims, uh, which it then is able to use to blind them and paralyze them. Uh, The other thing that is shown in the movie is that the Dilophosaurus has a massive neck frill and for some reason is able to make a rattlesnake noise. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we see this dinosaur whenever Wayne Knight is uh, running away from uh, the facility. He's shut down all the major security um, and is trying to make his way to the docks in order to steal a bunch of embryos. His car gets stuck in a rut. His uh, Ford uh, Explorer gets stuck in a rut and he tries to pull himself out using a tow cable. And this dinosaur accosts him. It's about the size of, like, a Labrador Retriever or something like that. Uh, And he talks to it a little bit, calls it stupid, throws a stick. Uh, For some reason, starts talking to it like a used car salesman at one point. What do you want? What do you want? I ain't got it. What do you need? What do you need? Uh, And then on his way back up the little incline where his vehicle is, the dinosaur spits the sticky venom into his face after extending its neck frills 
He screams, turns to the camera, and yells very dramatically. He gets into the car, and the dinosaur at this point has then teleported into the Ford Explorer and then proceeds to presumably eviscerate Wayne Knight. Um, there's a lot of problems with this scene. There's a lot of Wayne Knight. There's a lot of there's a lot of Wayne Knight on the yes, inside of the is. Ford Explorer <laughs> afterwards. I think it was actually a Jeep Wrangler what he was driving. It was, oh. So he was in a Jeep Wrangler? He was in a Jeep Wrangler. The the, tw- the the scientists and the lawyer were in Ford Explorers. Sorry, he was in a gas Jeep. A gas yeah, Jeep. It was a gas car <laughs> Jeep. Yeah. So for the listeners, there are several times in this movie where they refer to cars that don't run on the track as gas-powered, <laughs> as if they're trying to like dissuade any suspicion about how their vehicles It's just are. really <laughs> funny because they're obviously are going to be gas-powered. Just I a think. regular old gas-powered Jeep. Yeah, it sounds like they're robots. Nothing weird about my Jeep. <laughs> Yeah. Either way, the uh, there's obviously between now and 1993, and also if you pull back the curtain of movie magic, uh, the Dilophosaurus was actually, although much larger, um, supposedly than what you see on screen, uh, did not shoot venom out of its face, did not have neck frills, and was sort of a generalized, very large carnivore. It still had the uh, the crest that they depict it with on its head, um, but. As far as the fossil record shows, there actually aren't any dinosaurs that have ever, ever existed that have venom sacs, much less able to expel them from their mouths in order to blind and paralyze their victims like some sort of Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> it's it's almost like that dinosaur was some sort of evolutionary black swan. Because if you would think if there was one dinosaur that could, that could do that, right. there had to have been others with at least... You know similar types of characteristics, and right. none of those exist that Which, we know of. I guess in 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 the scope of sort of generalized animal development, is not all that weird because sure. there are some weird sure. animals. But it's the movie. And granted, it's great for the movie because it yes. looks awesome and it's a pretty great scene. But the movie takes so many liberties with this that it's there's just no way. In comparison, like you said, to the rest of the dinosaurs. There, it makes no sense as to why this thing would exist. Right. While we're putting Dilophosaurus on blast real quick, yeah. they talk about how its venom paralyzes and blinds its prey. Wayne Knight just wiped it off his eyes and yeah, got yeah. back in the car. Yeah. It looks like silly putty. Is he supposed to be paralyzed? I guess. Like, how does that work? It got it looks right like he just in got, his eyes. It looks like he just got Nickelodeon gack on his face. Yeah, he got slimed. He yes. didn't complete the physical challenge. Yeah, right. <laughs> <He got> slime. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know. It's just... I would like to see him just be... Par- Maybe he's paralyzed with fear. That's probably... That must have been Paralyzed it, yeah. with fear. Yeah. All right, I guess I gotta come up with a dino fact. Well, I mean, you could always talk about uh, dinosaurs and feathers. Nah, dude. We could talk about that. Stupid. Another option would be the fact that uh, they kind of have a weird idea about how the Tyrannosaurus Rex is able to see things. No, I think I'll just make something up. Okay, Okay, hit us. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, dinosaurs. Actually, not extinct. Did you know that? This is already. Wait, was that the whole joke? No, no. Are you talking about alligators? Talking about the Loch Ness monster. Wow. Oh. Yeah, it's still. Scotland. Yeah. Yes. Sorry. Do you want me to actually actually talk about real things or just fake things? No, no. I want you. I want you. You've committed to this. I want you to chase it down. <laughs> Please go down this rabbit hole that's with a, us. That's a dinosaur. Okay. Which I, one? Oh, you know, dinosaurus. Right. I'm pretty sure that the that the the, the brachiosaur type looking long neck creature that also had the fins was okay. called a plesiosaur. Yes, it was. But this one's called Nessie. Oh, so oh, that's the name right. of the Loch Ness right. monster. Yeah. I pretty yes. that's the pet name of the Loch Ness well, monster. Well, it's the only one of its species. 
Now, how does that make sense? How does that work? Is this a 65 million year old Nessie? Life finds a way, guys. Do you want to hear, <laughs> hear a really good dinosaur fact? Yes. I'm going to cut this whole bit. <laughs> no! All right. All right. I'll it can be you. our closer. It can be our closer. Excellent. I'll tell you guys a real dinosaur fact. Okay. okay. I hear it. So... There's an iconic scene in the movie where they have to deal with a Tyrannosaurus Rex trying to attack the kids in the car, right? They see the water, the glass of water on the dashboard start rippling with the tremendous earthquake of an approaching Tyrannosaurus Rex. Boom. Yeah. Boom. Oh, oh God. We have to get... Kenan, you're supposed to get... Boom. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... But there's a scene where the T-Rex is right in front of them, and Dr. Grant grabs the girl, Lex, and covers her mouth and says, if you don't move, they can't see you. He says, freeze. If you don't move, they can't see you. Yeah. And the dinosaur, the T-Rex, stands right in front of them, uh, smelling them, blows Dr. Grant's hat off of his head with his fucking breath, I guess, his stink lines. His, his nostril, his nostril, his nostril breath. Yeah. T-Rex burp. So, he does this, right? And doesn't move, doesn't really react to them being there, like doesn't try and eat them right away. He immediately diverts his tension, attention back to the back car. Back to the car. Back to the vehicle. Right. So they're showing that, you know, if you don't move, its vision's based on movement, it won't be able to get you. Uh, taking aside the fact that the dinosaur could definitely smell that you were standing right there, like that's that's a thing. Pretty clear. It's going to be able to smell you, right? You don't smell like Ford Explorer and you don't smell like mud. Right. But so taking that aside, the... Uh, fact that that T-Rex can only see moving objects is just a myth. There's just, it's not true. So there's, I guess there was really like one publication that we found on it. Maybe a few. There was at least one. Yeah. Yes. There was yeah. at least one that was more of a, I guess more of a review on it. Um, right. Where they were saying that they think that T-Rexes have um, vision equal to that of modern day birds. So very, right. very good vision. Um, not movement based. They might use movement for, you know, and this is me saying this, I could see how they could pot potentially use movement for maybe prey signaling or things like that. But if they were actively trying to get something, they would definitely be able to distinguish it from the background just by vision, 100%. Well, not only that, but it's, it's thought that they had some vision that is similar to, to modern day, ironically, raptor birds, right? Like falcons and, and hawks right. who who are able to see small rodents from, you know, hundreds of feet in the air, chances are you have pretty good eyesight for moving things. Right. So... Right. And to be clear, it, it's, again, this is 2017 knowledge, but we now know enough about the relationship between uh, prehistoric theropods like the T-Rex and birds to where we can make those comparisons. And they, there's also been a lot of work done to utilize uh, um, dinosaur skulls, T-Rex skulls, to try and replicate what the orbital space looks like, so what their what the, how their actual eyes were shaped. So a lot of the work that's been done to reconstruct T Rex eyes uh, has sort of revealed this idea that they may have had, like you said, pretty good depth perception, uh, and they would be able to discern different objects, and they would they would absolutely not ignore you if you weren't moving. Right. right. If they were trying to, if they were actively trying to get you, just because you were holding still doesn't mean they wouldn't be able to get you. Now, one thing that they do in the movie that would make this believable is the point where Dr. Grant pops a flare and then moves it back and forth in order to get the T-Rex's attention and then tosses it into the woods. 
that is somewhat believable oh, because yeah. the dinosaur would immediately see, oh, giant glowing thing that smells weird, and then run after it, right. much like a lot of predators may do in, in a similar situation. I mean, I know my dog would, but then Ian Malcolm, of course, pops another flare and then starts sprinting just away holds from it, it, just holding it and kind of passing <laughs> it back and forth, and then lobs it hookshot into the woods. And that doesn't do And it doesn't do anything. You because he's pulled, still running. He should have pulled out his laser pointer from all the presentations he was giving. <laughs> yeah, exactly. just had to chase it like a cat. <laughs> 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 oh, let me tell you about chaos theory. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. All right, so I'm sure we've talked way too long, um, and I'm terrified to check Audacity because I don't want to break our audio again. But, Dear God. Um, I think we should wrap up, but first, first, I want you guys to rate this movie, Sean, on a scale of one to five. You know, people aren't going to know why you're so bad because our old recording got entirely erased. So Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Sean, on a scale of one to five, can you rate the science of Jurassic Park? <sighs> okay. So, in knowing what we know in 2017, I'm going to rate the the feasibility of creating these dinosaurs, creating this park, doing all of this cloning, I'm going to give it a 1 out of 5. I think that's fair. Okay? And the reason I'm doing that is because, like like we said before, the ability to clone these uh, dinosaurs and the flora and fauna that they are used to, it just not supported by what they say. There's just no way you could do this based on what they say. Um, And some of the dinosaur details are different from what we think. Now, those maybe at the time might have been the thoughts. It's just now they're a little different. Um, But I'm also going to go ahead and rate the movie for an entertainment level. Please do. And I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5 because I love this movie. It's one of my favorite movies. We watched it twice just for recording, and I've seen it probably like 10 times before that. Yeah, to clarify, we've actually already recorded this episode, and uh, the audio for just me was completely ruined. So we've now watched this movie twice in order to record an episode about it, and I'm really not complaining either. Yeah, no, it's a good movie. movie. I agree. Yeah. So, Kenan, what do you think? I'm just pausing. Oh. I'm going to look at it again. Pace. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. Are, are you asking me to go? I don't know. That's or... what Kenan t- <laughs> Pace, would you like to tell us what you thought of the movie? Sorry, let me let me take that from the top. Pace, what did you think of the movie? Uh, Good recovery. I'll tell you what I thought, Sean. Um, I see your one out of five. And just for a sense of variety, I'm going to give it a 2 out of 5, but let me tell you why. Let me first preface by saying the reason that I'm giving it such a low rating is because, in my opinion, they honestly ignored scientific theories that were in place at the time in exchange for plot points. The the primary one being that they supplement dinosaur cloning with frog DNA as opposed to chicken DNA. Right, which would have been, I think, even in 1993, more practical and accurate, in my opinion. Um, that being said, I think that the scientific presentation of how they clone the films, wow, how they clone the dinosaurs in the film. My Holy sincerest crap, apologies. Yeah, <laughs> no, not really that much, to be honest. Um, Sorry, guys, Pace is a lightweight. Super lightweight. I also have to pee. Um, but... <laughs> Great. <laughs> I'm sure but, I can edit that out. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I can edit that out. <laughs> the good news is, is that you paused. You didn't pause. 
It's not going to be edited out. Damn it. The whole, the whole world but uh, at the end of the day, I'm giving it a two out of five because I think that overall, compared to a lot of the scientifically themed movies we watch, I think they, they did have maybe a, a B for effort and like an F for actual accomplishment. Um, yeah. So that's my, that, that's my general consensus. Um, and I, I do, I do think that the, here's another reason why I give it a two out of five as opposed to one out of five. I think that this, the way they present cloning in the film is actually pretty user-friendly. I think it's very user-friendly and it gives the layman a very bare-bone understanding of what the process might be like. I agree with that. If I can... One of the biggest problems that I have with the way they present it, they do an okay job presenting it. Sorry. One of the biggest gripes and groans. Gripes. Gripes. Sorry. I'm going to gripe real fast. We have to stick to our brand. Is that when you're making a science fiction movie... It doesn't have to be exactly real. So, like, why keep the fact that you're getting unintact DNA from these mosquitoes? Why not just say, we found a mosquito with a fully intact dinosaur DNA genome, and we're going to use ostrich eggs to grow it and and make dinosaurs. And you're like, wow, that's great, because that would be more reasonable than saying, like, we found segments of DNA and... And I think, honestly, like, it speaks to your point more because at the time, like, at the time, it was still considered that dinosaurs or modern-day reptiles could be descendants of dinosaurs. So it would have been an easy sell to say, we found, we managed to find intact DNA for individual dinosaurs within mosquitoes, and we made it so that all of them were going to be female but uh oh, some species of lizard and other uh, lizards and other reptiles are able to change their sex depending on environmental conditions, and that's that must have been what occurred here. Like you don't need the whole frog subplot and then filling it in right. to make the same point. Right. The only, I see what you're saying. The only issue with that though still is that they had one thing of intent. They'd have to find a mine full of mosquitoes, all with intact yeah, yeah. DNA of different dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. We but, found yeah. mosquitoes in amber in a tar pit in a refrigerator, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just covered in, in liquid nitrogen. Yeah. Just at the all ready to go in in a mountainside. In Antarctica. You said liquid nitrogen, and we forgot one major gripe and groan that we have with every science movie ever made. <laughs> and that is that there's a scene where Wayne Knight goes in and he steals the embryos from what's supposed to be cold storage. And I don't know what it is about movies and this one little thing, but whenever a character pulls something out of cold storage, in every movie we've watched so far, and granted we've only watched three, everything has been liquid and nothing it has been cold. It should be frozen. Yeah. Everything has been just liquid, and there's no frost on anything no. at all. They always open a big liquid nitrogen doer, and there's a lot of fog, which <laughs> normally happens when you open liquid nitrogen. It's not as and dramatic, it but but it's it's there, so that's real. But then they pull out the tube, touch it with their bare hands, which is really, really cold, by the way. Yep. Yeah. Very cold. You will burn yourself. It will burn your skin. And they're just like, oh yeah, liquid tube, sitting in liquid nitrogen. It's How just, about that? Yeah, it's just... so. If any movie producers are still listening to the podcast at this point... Oh, they're definitely not. They're definitely not. (laughs) If you take anything away from this podcast, pop some stuff in the fridge for a little bit before you put it into a prop, because it would... Just a little detail would make us all a little bit happier. You could have a great reveal where you pull the frosty tube out of the liquid nitrogen and wipe away some of the ice crystals yeah. and it says like dinosaur on it and you're like oh yeah it could even so <laughs> dinosaur. oh this must be oh, for the this dinosaur is, this is it so <laughs> Sean rat 
Mount, no, no. Dinosaur, got it. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're even saying that if they did this accurately, it could add some dramatic effect to their films. I think it could. I think, I think it, it could. could. How about that? I don't know. I'm not a movie producer, but big wigs get at me. You know, I'm uh, available for writing movies for you if you want. All right, well, I'm going to cut Sean off for a second. <laughs> yeah, so saying, I'll leave these jokers in a heartbeat, all mm. right? Just... Come on, dude. <laughs> just real quick, I do need to rate the overall entertainment factor. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, we kind of um, stopped all that. But already. it's not really an entire surprise that I'm also going to give it a five out of five because I think this movie is a classic film in my opinion yeah i'm gonna you know what before i give the scientific rating i'm gonna give it my enjoyment rating as well for me it's definitely a five out of five i obviously grew up watching this film i had the i think the first five tracks from the jurassic park ost on a cassette and I used to listen to that as I stomped around in my house pretending to be a velociraptor. Like, there's absolutely no doubt that I love this movie. So it's safe to say that this movie might pack a little bit of nostalgia for each of us individually. 100%. You could say. Now, that said, I'm going to rate them science of this movie, and it's going to be a pretty low rating. For basically the same reasons that you described. I, I'm i going to give this a 2 out of 5. Mm. Um, but I'm going to do it, again, coming from the point of... The fact that we're looking at this with a little bit of hindsight, but also even in 1993, there had already begun some rumblings that, or actual full-on debate, whether or not dinosaurs or specific species of dinosaurs were uh, eventually evolved into birds. And so I think as a movie producer um, or as a writer, the people who worked on this movie could have taken it a step forward from where Michael Crichton had it in 1990, especially considering the number of uh, uh, leaps in the field of genetics that occurred just in the early 90s in of itself. Now, that said, I think Michael Crichton did a pretty decent job going to battle with the army he had, in a sense, with this with this book. Um, and I can give him a little bit of like leeway with the the uh, adaptations that he used specifically for plot points that he does within the book. But I think it would have behooved the group who made the movie to change that a little bit in order to make it not necessarily more believable for us as science, but to sort of change with the times. So right, that said, two out of five. That's beautiful. <laughs> Great. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. So I think we should probably close up because we're all either drunk pace or pretty tired. What? Sean, we're going to go prep for the storm of the century. That's apparently. right. We're <laughs> yeah. actually uh, we're recording this podcast maybe four days before Hurricane Irma hits us. Three days. Yeah. So remember us. if We perish. Yeah. I guess if this doesn't make this make it <laughs> on the Internet. <laughs> Bearing in mind, we are in inland Florida. But that being said, Florida looks in a pretty terrible situation right I'm now. I'm leaving. <laughs> I'm, leaving, so. I'm gonna stay here like an idiot yeah that's a fine we'll be fine so provided we don't die in the coming apocalypse you can find us on twitter at real science cast and if you want to send us an email in order to give us suggestions for a movie or for critiques uh tell us how nice pace's hair is uh Thank then you. you can reach us at gmail at real at gmail.com cool sean where can we find you on the internet? <laughs> you buddy? don't need to find me. I don't understand. I'm Sean, off the grid. Where are you on the internet? So I have a Twitter. Um, it's at cross and grip, one word, but there's no way that I'm going to really check it. So just tweet at the podcast. That's C R O S S O N G R I P. 
Yeah, okay, thanks. No one's gonna tweet at me because I'm not gonna tweet respond. At Sean Cross. Sean doesn't have a profile pic. <laughs> I don't. I don't go on it. I hate Twitter. It's so fun. But honestly, if you guys want to get in touch with me, uh, either send an email to our email address, um, tweet at the show, and Kenan or Pace, who will actually check the Twitter, will tell me, "Hey, someone wants to know this," or <laughs> people are making fun of what an old man you are and how you don't know how to use Twitter, and That's I true. won't. I won't listen to them because I'm not on Twitter. So. You know, it's just a win, it's win-win all around. It's a vicious cycle. Also, check out our Instagram, which is... Yeah, actually, uh, and I'll take a picture here in a second, but we do have an Instagram that will try and keep up just sort of as we record more and more episodes. Um, and you can find it at the uh, same address, at Real Science Cast on Instagram. Cool. Pace, where can we find you? Yeah, you can find me predominantly on Twitter, where I uh, spend a lot of my time in social media, at Michael C. Pace. Uh, where I basically try not to tweet about politics and try to advocate for science. That's a pretty accurate description of your Twitter, mm-hmm. Twitter timeline. I thought so. If yeah. you want to find me, I'm just going to be wandering around Gainesville, enjoying the outdoors, looking at the sunlight, you know, chirping with the birds. All Thanks, sort of, Dad. All sort of things. I'm kind of a Luddite. <laughs> no, you are kind I'm, of I'm not a Luddite. Not really. Yeah, I, just want, I just don't understand how the internet works. If you want to find Sean, he'll be in the basement of the academic research building. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you will. Not for long. Not for long. So if you want to find me, Ken Smith, on Twitter, uh, I'm actually on Twitter and several other things at LOLKennan. Twitter, Instagram, uh, Battle.net, all that sort of thing. Zanga. <laughs> I, I, I might still have a Zanga. I have no idea. Maybe a MySpace in there. Uh, on AIM. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll get a little bit of uh, uh, a few science articles. You'll get a lot of complaining about anime, a lot of complaining about my PhD, um, and maybe a few, maybe a few puns. Nice. There. Wow. Maybe what a, few, a renaissance man. Maybe a few dad jokes. Dad joke. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> no one's gonna get that. <laughs> I know. That was that was for us. All right. Well, uh, we have to go tape up all of our windows and put all of our really expensive crap into our uh, bathroom. So uh, I'm going to say goodnight. Uh, good night. Night, peeps. Do you want to do a sign-off, Sean? I know you have one saved up. Do you want to say it? I don't know. Did you guys like it? We loved it. That's Remember, great. guys, you don't need good science to make a good movie. Stay classy. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs>